Hey, what up, gang? How are you? Based on the DMs that I got during that little absence. You miss me. And I missed you too. Uh, a few announcements before we drop into the episode. Number one, those cameras that I was talking about. They in, baby. <clears throat> they in. And I am so excited about it. Got a couple of updates to the studio, which is going to make the audio sound a little bit tighter. And the quality is going to go up another noticeable notch. And obviously, I am over the moon about it. So for those of you that have been with me since day one and have been growing with me over time, uh, I hope you enjoy the shift. Also, this particular podcast guest is a little hint at a new series that I'm going to be dropping on the old podcast, the Yoga Zara podcast, where the students who have been taking my yoga teacher trainings, mostly U.S. veterans, are going to hop into the studio and share with me a lot of experience that I've had in the military, transitioning back to civilian life, a lot of the leadership skills, strategies that they apply to the workspace, and how they integrate yoga into that too. So for those of you that are keen on that, the Yoga Zara podcast will let you know when that drops. But this episode is uh, so much fun. I know, I know. Everybody out there is going to say, hey, female entrepreneur, fuck yeah, bro. Send it. Also, I know it's going to be a little bit divisive because it's going to be a lot of guys who are going to see the word astrologer and they're going to be like, ah. And there's going to be a lot of women who are going to be like, yeah. And <laughs> I don't think it's going to be the last divisive guest that I'm going to have on the show. So, you know, I say that. <clears throat> Love you. <laughs> I'm trying to replace love you with go fuck yourself <laughs> so <laughs> I think this is a good place to start uh, so thanks for waiting new season, new year, new video added to it starting in 2024 and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did with the great and powerful Caitlin Goring oh thank you <laughs> um, wow the tact well, Taurus is ruled by Venus. So Taurus and Venus's entire, I don't know, archetype and persona is to connect and to harmonize and to like bring things and people together and also to appreciate like beauty and aesthetic and luxurious things. And Taurus is also an earth sign. So like the way that that happens is usually through like the physical senses, like you're literally in a velvet chair. Like that's so Taurus. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> But truly, just like the emphasis around like how things feel, like your home space feeling really good and comfortable for you is super important. But like the tact with Taurus is so in that Venusian, like not wanting to create conflict, not wanting to like create any division, wanting to bring people together. But you have some probably like some fire energy in there or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that what you're reading? That's what I'm reading. That's okay. what I'm feeling. But because you like to like push the barriers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the jester. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's not just the candle that gives me the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just the candle. It's but the, the candle affirms what I thought. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hadn't even chair. thought of that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I notice all these things. <laughs> I feel so seen. Mm, 
I'm glad. <laughs> well, are you an April or a May Taurus? There is a difference there, right? There's a difference there. Gotcha. And I actually haven't heard the exposition on the difference between the two. Mm. So this is going to be fun. Um, I am an April. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're like an early Taurus. Interesting. So in the Zodiac, like in the wheel, every sign is 30 degrees and every 10 degrees of that sign is ruled by a specific planet. So I'm like a later Gemini, which means that my it's called your Deccan, which is like the 10 degree thing. Mine's Saturn. So like, it's a really different flavor of Gemini than the Geminis that come before me that have like Venus ruling them. I'm a Taurus rising though. So Venus is my ruling planet, but that's just nuance. But for Taurus, I can't tell you exactly who's ruling the first Deccan of Taurus, but that's why there's that difference between like every sign, depending on what month you're born in because there's a different like flavor to how that comes through. But usually like early April Tauruses, obviously it's not early April, right? Like it's the end of April-ish. Uh, you got a good intuition. <laughs> but yeah, it's Thank at the you. end. It's, it is at the end of April, but it is towards the beginning of that. Of Taurus season, yes. yes. So there's usually some planets that have been transiting that are still in the sign of Aries during that early portion of Taurus. So that would make sense for you with your fire. A touch of if fire. If you have that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What right. year are you? <laughs> you, you don't have to mom? answer if you don't you want to. You hear this mom? She's going to ask what time I was born. <laughs> I won't ask you. <laughs> no, you're allowed to. It's all right. Okay. I just won't know. <laughs> I'll have to consult my co-star. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did it once and I was all like, that's enough to save. <laughs> if, if anybody wants to have this reference, I'm not going to commit this to memory. But That's okay. At least you know. Conversations like this will knock some more things into my field of awareness though. Mm, for sure. Take for example, uh, Aries being a fire sign. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yes. it's like, I, I got that. And then when you said uh, rising, I was like, oh, okay. So <laughs> you're like, I, these are some terms. <laughs> uh, number three, all right. Sun, moon, rising. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, okay, tracking. I got you on the rising. Yeah. And you're on it. I know for me, Mm -hmm. what my sun, moon, and rising are. Oh, would you Ooh. like to share? <laughs> I don't know how revealing that is. <laughs> this velvet chair has given me away a lot already. And <laughs> do I feel too seen? Maybe. Yeah. Do I, I know. feel more seen? Yeah, of course. Yay. Of course. Yeah, okay, we're having good. fun. Yeah. Having fun. Yeah. And <laughs> in the spirit of having fun. Yes. I'm a Taurus, Taurus, Virgo. Ah, wow. Okay, wow. All the earth energy. You're also a new moon baby then because you have Taurus as your sun and your moon. I'm a new moon baby, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's I'll when that happens that. when the sun and the moon are in the same side. Interesting. So that's cool. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, that makes a lot of sense for you. Like, I don't know you like that, but I see it. The Virgo rising too, I see. Um, but just so much consistency with the earth and that. Would you describe yourself as a determined person? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Only like in the things that you care about doing or in general and what you decide you're going to do or like wherever life is presenting you. The thing that you mentioned earlier about seeking harmony. Yeah. I feel very determined in that endeavor. Mm. I can't help myself. Yeah. And... When conflict happens, <laughs> stresses me out, man. It's not that it stresses me out. I just, I want, 
I like there's a way for us to resolve this. Come on, let's get along with each other. Yes. I am very determined in that. Yes. And have you ever had this moment at like a campsite? Maybe you go to like a rave or something like that. You go to a festival and the neighbors are not that chill. <laughs> I have had that moment. <laughs> no cameras, but if people could see the way that you nodded your face. <laughs> <laughs> I forget. I can't just nod. <laughs> no, you can. You, to- you totally can. I'll just add the additional commentary. Okay, good. And cameras are coming, folks. I'm just poor. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta make sound financial decisions. But there was this woman before we get to talking about that. There was this woman I saw recently mm-hmm. in an interview with Mark Cuban, and she was talking about how much debt she has for the podcast. And Mark Cuban said to her, she, he was like, uh, you got guts, kid. And I like that a lot. And I was like, oh, damn, you go, girl. You just got props from Mark Cuban, man. That's huge. <laughs> that so, is huge. That's beautiful. She inspired me a little bit to maybe just, you know, take some leaps. Mm. Yeah. If uh, I haven't seen her name, um, I think her podcast is called just the the good podcast. Okay. Yeah, right. It's something like that. Yeah. And it's kind of brilliant. <laughs> it's like, I'm not even gonna get the, like that's just her energy, which is really cool. So props to you when I get to know your name. Um, <laughs> cameras aside. When you get the neighbors that are just not that chill. Yeah. What is it that you do about it? I try to make friends with them. Yeah. 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 I'll go out of my way to try to make friends with them. You know, I'm like inviting them to hang out and like wrapping them into conversation that's happening or I don't know, finding extra food and being like, hey, we have this. Do you want it? (laughs) AP's offering. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly what you mean. Yeah. And I won't even do it just one time because I got friends who will do it one time. And I'm like, you know what? No, fuck that guy. I tried. And I'll give it a second time. And if a second time doesn't work, and I know we're going to be here for a while, I'll definitely give it a third. It's just not going to be on the same day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I will think about it so much <laughs> in between <laughs> that and the plan, like peace offering. Yeah. 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 Well, you can't do it all in one day. You have to space them out. Something that my friends have told me, too, is like, Caitlin, not everybody's trying to make friends everywhere they go. Oof. And I'm like, Oh, that's mm. silly. (laughs) Yeah, that's weird. Okay. Okay. So what I've noticed too, and I don't know if you've had this experience with the people camping next to you who are not friendly, but sometimes it does just take them time and then they'll come around and then you're like, oh yeah, I was always here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you get a little like bonus props for that. And like, you know what? They were cool with us the whole time. Yes. Yeah. Even when I was not that chill, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise they just don't know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I had this thought come up earlier Mm -hmm. and it was a little, it was, it was a cheeky sentiment. And so I retained it, but then it came up again. and I want to share it. Please share. Yeah. Are you this knowledgeable about anything actually useful? (laughs) Oh man. I know dude. I was like, that is so fucking rude. No, it's so fucking funny. I'm glad that you said it. Honestly, like I've thought about this so much. I'm like, why is astrology the thing that my brain just said like, yes, well, and take all of that and hold on to it, like of everything that I could have learned. My answer is yes, though. Like I just learn a lot and I feel like I know a lot about a lot of different things and I know a little bit about a lot of things too. Uh, But 
I don't know why, for whatever reason, my brain just like grabbed onto astrology and was like, okay, we're just going to do this forever now. And it's been like over 10 years. Well, your spirit is kind, first of all. You didn't, you took zero offense for that. So that was really cool. Thank you. (laughs) Because boy, I was worried about that one. (laughs) It's like, dude, you are in the 30 minutes meeting this person. No, it's, it is though. Like, um, can it be something fucking useful? Like, can I remember how to do my taxes? No. No. Like it's going to be that I remember all of these crazy dates and what the planets are doing. Okay. Which one's more fun though? Tax code or astrology? Definitely astrology. Definitely astrology. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know that there's something wrong with the tax code, but I'm still not interested. Right. Enough. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like, let me actually <laughs> read it. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. No, it's yeah. not going to happen. I think that's why I've like, my brain has gripped onto astrology too. I don't want to say gripped. Like it's just come back up so often because there's so much more to learn and dive into. And that inspires me and it keeps me like engaged and coming back to it and like wanting to learn more. Otherwise I'll kind of just like bounce around and I'll learn something here and something there and maybe they'll like integrate and I'll be able to pull pieces of information from all of it and put it together. But astrology and yoga have been the two things for me that I feel like I just can take deeper and deeper and deeper. And yeah, I love it. I love that too. Clearly with the yoga yeah, and to feel so uh, serene with what it is that genuinely captures your interest. Yeah. There's a lot of people who really brush that aside and don't really get to know what it is that they're innately drawn to. Totally. That's totally. A, it's such a bummer. I was about to say that. <laughs> and it's a bummer, man. <laughs> That's literally what I was going to say. Oh my gosh. It yeah. is a bummer. It's yeah. such a bummer. I feel really fortunate that like, I don't know, when I was young, my mom would encourage me to just follow what I was curious about and study what I wanted to study in college and not worry about if it made me money, which I loved until, you know, like my last semester and realized like, oh fuck, now I'm going to have to figure out how I make money with this sociology degree. Um, But how much debt at that time? You know, thankfully I don't have a lot of debt. Cool. But at that time, what was the number? I don't know, 12,000. 12,000. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I went to a private school. So that was like not even a semester's worth of. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. You did good. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. If you were to take a picture of that though, and you're how old at that time? Um, when I graduated, yeah. I was 20. And before that you were a pretty good student. Yeah. I was a good student. Obviously you're graduating at 20. I was a pretty good student. That's a really good student. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a really good student graduating Thanks. college at the age of 20. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That presses applause button. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, Forget what? the cameras. That's what you need. <laughs> I do have a pad here. I, oh my I just God. don't know how to use it like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we'll have to get that set up. Maybe. Or I could just like hire a person. Be like, yo, will you hang out <laughs> when I do this? Just like push the button when there's something funny or exciting that happens. Young Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. One of those guys. <laughs> Jamie, yeah, yes. I know. Yes. Fucking yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Go, Jamie. Yes. Love you, Jamie. <laughs> He's the homie for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but don't have one of those. And I don't have an applause button. But yeah, like big ups. Big ups to you on that. Thank you. And a wild snapshot for if you were to zoom out of that. Yeah. And think, okay, 20-year-old person was doing what they were told they ought to do. Right. 20 years, got to the finish line. Finish line said, congrats. You owe me $12,000 and this won't make you any money. (laughs) Yeah. Good luck. Go live your life now, kid. (laughs) 
University. That's the evil laugh. Yeah, the university. that's a fitting laugh for university. <laughs> yes. I definitely felt like I needed to finish as fast as possible so that I could just go and do the things I wanted to do and like learn what I cared about. And it's funny that you say that. Most guys I know have the same problem. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go on. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, like I wow, lost bro. it now. I, do, I told you, man. It just like, I, I no. don't try to generate it. It just like bubbles up. Yeah. So That's, it's not something you could or should try to generate. Like people feel that and it's not, <laughs> it's not fun when that's what's happening. So no, let uh, it, let it come up. Cool. It's welcome. Yeah. Welcome the flow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you make a hard pivot? Like post-college? Yeah. So like sociology from there to becoming mm. a yoga teacher because you're not an astrologer. I am an astrologer. You are an astrologer. Yeah. That's like what I do most of the time. Okay, cool. Um, I do a lot of things. Yeah. I that part wanted, I got, but yeah. astrologer is your main thing. Astrologer has been my main gig since like 2019, which Groovy. is really wild to me. Gotcha. Yeah. Thank you. You mind if I um, hang on that for a little bit sure. longer? Okay. So as an enterprise. Yeah. All right. Company name. Um, right now it's just like my name. Your name? It's, it's moved through a lot of transition. Like had an LLC. My tax advisor was like, you have no business having an LLC. You need a C-Core. Like yeah. here's what you do. So it's Isn't moved a through fun? a lot of evolution, evolutions. Yeah, it's so funky. With revelations. With revelations. Oh, with so many revelations along the way. Yes, 100%. 100%. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know that I would say it was like a hard pivot because everything came just kind of step by step and like made sense to be moving in those directions. But when I look at where I was when I was 20 and graduating from a private Christian school versus like where I am now and what I do and what my life looks like, like, yeah, it is a 180 degree difference. But you know, change just like happens slowly. So you don't always notice it happening. But after I graduated, I knew that I was going to go back to school and thought that like maybe I would become an MFT or go into therapy. I knew that I wanted to work with people and to talk to people and support them. And then I was taking in my last semester, like different psych prereqs that were specifically about therapy. And I had taken a lot of psych classes just because they were involved in sociology and I was curious about them. Um, so after taking that class, I realized like, if I wanted to go into therapy, it would have to really look a certain way. And there's a lot of legal things that I would need to follow. And I just felt like I wasn't going to have the freedom that I wanted to have with people to be able to really support them in the way that I wanted to. So then I was like, just back to the drawing board and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I was working at managing a coffee shop in LA after I graduated and just like, I don't know, partying, living my 21 year old life. And that was so fun to be in LA for it. And then I ended up finding a coaching program and just kind of recognizing that coaching gave me an avenue to do what I wanted to do with people that was less, I want to say less supervised and that sounds bad, but just like not having a governing board telling me what to do and how to support people. Um, and also focusing on like the forward momentum with them. Like I didn't want to just sit in the trauma with people. Not that I mean, whatever, there's like so many beautiful benefits to therapy and therapists out there. I just knew like, that's not for me. 
Um, so I went back to school. I did a coaching certification. I did 700 hours of holistic nutrition um, education and got certified to be a holistic nutrition coach, which is what I started doing at the beginning of 2019. And then throughout that time, I had been just like learning astrology and giving readings to my friends, like sitting on my floor drinking wine. And um, then I started working with clients more and working around nutrition and health and wellness. And we were pulling their birth chart all the time. I'd be talking to people and I'd be like, I need to know where your Mars is because whatever is happening with your Mars is like why you're experiencing this thing. And if we can understand what's happening on a symbolic energetic level, then it can help us approach what's actually tangibly happening day to day and work on the habit changes from there. And so then eventually I was just using astrology all the time and realized like, this is clearly what I meant to be doing with people. So yeah, that was that transition. And then I started studying Reiki shortly afterwards. And that was like a couple year process to becoming a Reiki master and like bringing that into my work. And then yoga came into it, which had always just been a really like private practice for me. I've been practicing yoga for a long time and I never thought that I would teach. Like I never cared to teach yoga until one day I did and was like, oh, okay. Like it's time for this now. And yeah, that's the overview. (laughs) Kind (laughs) of. Kind of. Yeah. There's actually, there's, there's a lot more to it, but I saw you got nervous. You're like, Am I, have I been talking for too long? <laughs> no, you haven't. Yeah. No, okay. that was really compelling. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, but you did cover a lot of ground. So yeah. I guess we can. It felt fill like in there was things. a lot there. There sure. was. Yeah. And one of the things was, turns out it was useful. <laughs> Dude, I was thinking that the whole time. <laughs> Think of anything useful. Sounds useful as fuck. <laughs> for what you're doing. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is useful as fuck. And I like really appreciate using astrology from that lens. And I can't tell you how many people I've seen for readings and they're like, oh, I got a reading from an astrologer five years ago, 10 years ago. They told me all of this stuff. They gave me so much information. I don't remember anything about it. I never used anything from what they told me. And I just think like, honestly, like what a waste of everybody's time and energy. Like I get it. I get wanting to share all the information that you can, but we can't intake all of that and integrate it and like, let it mean something and have it affect our lives. So I like looking at astrology from like a, I don't know, I consider it like an applied perspective. Like how do we actually engage with this in your day to day? Because if you can't do that, then like, I don't know, it's fun theoretically, but outside of that, what tangible benefit does it give us? Great message. Thank you. 100% great message. And that doesn't just apply to this particular topic. Yeah. But the the process of consuming a bunch of information and never integrating it. Totally. 100%. Totally. And for those of you that are not really heady like this, I recommend you watch Demon Slayer. <laughs> watch Demon Slayer. It's literally one of the first things that comes up in that anime. And that is... I haven't seen it. It's okay. I've had a few people on who are like anime experts, and now that's wow. part of my fan base. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's go. And I don't have well, a TV here, which was the other thing I was hoping you're going to notice, and you didn't, which, yes. Oh, I didn't even notice. Yes. Yes. But you're right. Got this would be that. like the spot for it. It and, would. Yeah. And it's not. Respect. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coming up next is a record player. Ooh, yeah. Because I want to be that guy. No, I got TV, but I got a record player. Oh, yeah. I've been that. I've been that girl for sure. (laughs) 
That fucking For guy, sure. are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, and I'll wear the hat too. <laughs> Get off my back. Oh, no. Get off my back. <laughs> I'm just asking for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, if you put a hat on with it, then you are asking for it. Uh-huh. 100%. Only, though, if you, like, make some specialty, like, pour-over coffee to enjoy while you're listening to your records. Specialty and, like, cocktails. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's Specialty better. coffee? Uh, not so much. But <laughs> in terms of coffee, yeah. Uh, I got a recommendation from a former Air Force guy on the best oh. regular coffee to get. So far, so good. I'm not going to say it on the I'm air because I don't want to blow it up on the spot. Wow. And you should be a little skeptical because the price is a little sketchy cheap. I'm super skeptical. I'm also <laughs> yeah. skeptical about Air Force guy. I'm like, what do you do about Look, coffee? <laughs> <laughs> more skeptical about the Air Force guy <laughs> drinking coffee. I don't know, but I trust his recommendations. Horoscopes. This is hilarious. <laughs> My skepticism about astrology, honestly, I was so skeptical. I also encourage people to be skeptical. Like, yes. yeah, don't just take what I'm saying at face value. 100%. But honestly, it all changed for me. One day I was sitting in my quantitative research methods class and I was bored out of my mind. And I had a roommate who was into astrology and I didn't know anything about my sign. And she was like telling me about what it meant that I was a Gemini and I'm like, you know, rolling my eyes. I'm like, whatever. Okay. So then I'm in this class and I just go, there has to be something more to this than just like everybody within this 30 day period of time is the same or like has the same energy. And so I remember like literally reading the Wikipedia page on astrology and reading about the whole birth chart. And then I looked at my birth chart and I read about my moon sign during that class. And that was honestly like a therapy session for me. Like I was crying in the back of this classroom. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, okay. This is why I am the way that I am. And if we use this variable, we get two <laughs> standard deviations. Exactly. <laughs> You're in the I'm back just- of the room. <laughs> <laughs> My professor's like, Caitlin is really moved by this. <laughs> she really loves research methods. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I, I, I actually did. Like did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like, dude, the stats rock. These stats rock. I fucking love this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I think it's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> Astrology was just like more fun. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah. And having some study in psychology. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> There's a fellow by the name of Carl Jung. Oh, yeah, there is. Heard of him? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you know that his clipboard was never him taking notes? He sat with someone's birth chart in front of them the whole time he was with them. Is that fake news? No, that's okay, real. Okay, gotcha. Because I don't have a young Jamie to be like, yo, Jamie, pull that up. Pull that up. Yeah, I want yeah. Jamie to like check on the facts for me. But no, I was reading about this. His daughter like came out about it because he wasn't very vocal about using astrology in his practice. He yeah. like mentioned it sometimes, mostly in context of like archetypes and stuff. Um, yeah. But his daughter was the one that was like, actually astrology was like very involved in all the work that he did. And like, this is what he was doing with his clients in session. And he always had their birth charts. And that was really the only thing that he was utilizing. But he just couldn't really come out about it based off of, you know, the climate of 1900s. Was in the closet. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. He was in the astrology closet. (laughs) Yeah. The astrology closet. Reading, yeah. not Wikipedia, but Wikipedia. <laughs> you said that earlier. <laughs> My brain spelled it out like that. I was like, you fucking kidding me. 
<laughs> Wikipedia. It's yours. You can have it. Thank you. If you make a Wikipedia, please. <laughs> Fucking please do it. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, archetypes. Yeah, archetypes. A lot more people are familiar with the word archetypes. And for some reason, like a, working with the military demographic, mm. certain word choices land better. Absolutely. Archetypes is a good way to open up a story that could otherwise be pretty far out. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so what I, what I tell folks in that space is when we're talking about the chakras, for example, at minimum, this makes for a great story because of the archetypes within. There's a lot of sense that you can make out of your approach to life. Yeah. That you can gain from this particular story. So let's explore this story. And with the chakras in particular, what I found out this year, and I've been studying this for longer than I'd like to admit. How long? <laughs> uh, 12 years. Wow. 12 years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 12 years. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Hits a plus button again. <laughs> 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 yeah. And this was the first year that I ever heard a position from someone that seemed like they might know a thing or two about this, that the Western exposition on the chakras actually has a lot of deviation from the sources from which chakras are mentioned. Yeah. Have you looked into this at all? I've looked into this. Yes, but I'm not super knowledgeable. All right, about cool. It. So yes. let's both say that we're both not super knowledgeable Perfect. on this. <laughs> Get out of my league. So if anybody, if anybody's all like, "Yo, what the fuck is this guy talking about?" Just sharing with what uh, I've heard lately. Yeah, yeah. And from where we stand, 100. Yes. And from my perspective, it helps me make sense of the fact that there are archetypes which make sense specifically to this way of life. And there's a lot of intersection between the chakras and, say, Maslow's hierarchy, yes. for example. A lot of crossover. Yes. So that's an example I use with so many of my Reiki clients when we're like talking about the chakra system and what's happening in their energy body. I'm like, do you know a little thing called Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Yeah. Yeah. And, and almost everybody does. Kind of. The same amount of people that know about that know about archetypes. There's a lot of like crossover yeah, there, there for crossover. sure. Yeah. yeah. And for people that might not know about them, um, please don't feel dumb. <laughs> You're definitely not dumb. You're not dumb. You just haven't been exposed to it and that's yeah. okay. You know, we've like, just had decades of exposure or over a decade <laughs> in our lane of life. Yeah. Yeah. But would somebody say, you know, probably 30 or so minutes into this, uh, that Caitlin girl, she's kind of uh, crunchy, huh? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. fair. <laughs> and I kind of owe that too. I wear freaking Birkenstocks <laughs> you know, and Absolutely. sit in a velvet chair. Am I crunchy? <laughs> Ask my linen pants. <laughs> yeah. Your linen pants say absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for making that reading. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really I got to communicate for them, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what better... Or, I was going to say what better archetype than the ones that are provided through astrology. Mm. And it makes perfect sense to me that this would be something that Jung would be into. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like that's so much of the benefit of astrology too, is getting to break down the energy through the different archetypes that they carry and understanding 
how we can engage with the ones that we're more naturally playing within, right? But all of us have every single sign in our chart. You might not have certain placements in them. You might not have any planetary placements in them, but like that energy occupies an area of your life, whether or not you are consciously engaging with that. And so when we look at them from the lenses of archetypes, like you're saying, like there is so much benefit to how we can engage with that more or engage with different aspects of ourselves that we might not feel as comfortable to lean into or might not be as aware of that we can and do embody that. Or even like, I see this a lot in working with people around their opposite sign. So like you're a sun in Taurus. So the opposite sign of that is Scorpio. And there are factors that would make this like more or less prominent in your life, but there's so much to be learned from the energy of the opposite sign because they're opposing each other, but they're not they're not literally opposite in the way that they function. They have the same end goal. Like they literally meet in the same place. They just get there differently. And so Taurus is like grounded earth and it moves at a very different pace than Scorpio does, which is water and which is ruled by Mars versus Taurus being ruled by Venus. But there's so much, not even crossover, but so much to be gained from like leaning into that other aspect of yourself, which for some people, sometimes the opposing sign, like, is directly related to their shadow or like what they have a hard time seeing and accepting about themselves or like what they maybe don't want to see in themselves. But that's where so much of the healing work can come into play too. And just the actual practical application of it, right? Because if you're a Taurus and you're naturally engaging with that archetype, you're a double Taurus. You're like always engaging with that archetype. You know, that's so inherent to who you are, but then being able to draw in the counterbalance of Scorpio and the archetype that it carries uplifts both of them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And it makes sense when the acknowledgement of shadow is present. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause for some people they're like, there are things which exist, which have no shadow. Right. And I'm like, you sure about that? <laughs> Are you sure, Are you sure about, about that? that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, if there are, then it's rare. And in that case, perhaps the exceptions might prove the rule. Absolutely. Perhaps. Uh, yeah. Right. So Theoretically. <laughs> theoretically, yeah. And the integration of the shadow, not to talk more Jung. Why not? <laughs> right. Uh, just, this know. is now a Jung podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just to give credit where credit's due. Yes. Yeah. And if you're like, how do you spell this guy's name? Mm. J-U-N-G. I said Jung for a long time. Don't worry about it. Oh, we all did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure he would chuckle. He seemed pretty kind. Yeah. Which. I think so too. I actually like that a lot yeah. about him. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I was going to ask you about the difference between. Mars and Venus. Oh, okay. And I was going to ask you also, I feel like you felt like you were always destined to be a healer. Mm. Mm. I don't know that I always felt destined to be a healer, okay. but I always felt like until I found what I'm doing, I always felt like there's something out there that I'm supposed to be doing. And I just don't know what it is yet. Like for most of my childhood, I felt like there is going to be a thing that I find that I'm so passionate about and I just have no idea what that was. 
I say that with the caveat of like, I thought that I found my passion really early in life. I was a dancer for a long time and then I had to quit because of injuries. I broke both of my feet within six months of each other. So I was like forced out. And when I was, that happened when I was 17. And so at 17, I was like, okay, that was what I thought was going to be my professional career and my career based off of my art and what I care about. And so now what, like, now what the fuck do I like doing? <laughs> Get the fuck out of Fresno. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Audience doesn't know that, but we were talking about oh. that before the podcast. You're right. Yeah, yeah you're from, from Fresno. Fresno. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. That's um. Yeah, Fresno. Fres, yes, <laughs> as some of us like to say. <laughs> There's like actual merch in the airport in Fresno that says Fres, yes on it. <laughs> oh my God. It's so bad. It's so funny. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big motivation for me to go to LA though. Cause I was like, I'm going to go to college, but I'll have the opportunity to dance with different conservatories. She's just a small town girl. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Fresno is like five times the size of Temecula. A hundred percent. You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Talk about cow towns though, man. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No kidding. And like, I never would have found astrology or Reiki or the things that I care about now if I had stayed in Fresno too. And I that's see. like definitely not lost on me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I did always just feel like there is something that I'm here to do and provide. I've always loved being with people and supporting them yeah. and like being of service. And so that's always felt like it's needed to be intertwined into my work and however that came forward. But yeah. That's right as fuck. To feel like you were like, I want to be in service to people. Thank you. Yeah. That's, we can use some more of that. <laughs> Dial up some more of that. There? Dial up some more of that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. I don't know if you could make that like a TikTok trend or something, but <laughs> that'd be I'll sick. do my best. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't have much pull on TikTok, but we'll no. see what can happen. So <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> So there's Venus and Mars. Yeah. And then there's also there's the, all the planets. <laughs> being <laughs> a, an ambitious enough woman mm. to form a business and get to action and taking steps. I feel like that yeah. one's going to be a little bit longer. So before the before that, Venus and Mars. Okay. Um excellent thought process here in structuring. Um, okay. Venus and Mars. So Venus and Mars are two of the personal planets. So the personal planets, this is not, not that you asked, but for yours and everybody's information, the personal planets are the sun, the moon, Venus, Mercury, and Mars. And they're called the personal planets because they move the fastest. And so in your birth chart, they're going to be most specific to you versus like your generation or people born in the same year as you. But they also all connect to things that have more to do with your personality and how you engage in the world and just live life. So the ways in which they come through are like on a more personal individuated level than the other planets, which are like the social planets and then the generational planets is what the outer ones are called. So Venus and Mars in particular, Venus Time is, out. yeah. The one in the middle is what? The one in the middle. Uh-huh. So there's generational planets towards the generational outer. Generational are the outer. And, and then, then the, the social planets are Jupiter and Saturn. Okay. Right in yeah. between. Yeah. Roger exactly. that. Okay. Thank Time you in. for asking. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. So Venus is all about how it is that we connect. So it's how we connect to other people. It's what we desire in connection. It's what it is that 
gives us that feeling of making a connection with somebody, whether that's romantic or platonic. It'll also tell you about what you care about as far as the values that you hold, how you connect to money and what you tangibly own. Um, it also talks to us a lot about just how we engage in relationship in general, um, and how we bring things together, like how we harmonize. It's also the planet that we look at whenever we're looking in the birth chart, as far as like creativity and artistry, that's all Venus. Venus is creative, direction. It's our aesthetic. It's our sense of values. It's like what we engage in that feels really good to us. It's how we seek pleasure. It's how we want to like connect with other people. And then Mars is all about our drive. So Venus is like the harmonization aspect. Mars is like the knife that cuts between something and creates two separate things. Mars is all about like how you take action based off of your sense of will, based off of what you want, how you're going to move yourself forward. So it's our drive. And on a practical level, it's like literally what you do and how you do it. Um, so for example, I have Mars and Virgo. What Vir does that mean? <laughs> I'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> so Virgo is a mutable earth sign. It's extremely practical. It's efficient, but it's ruled by Mercury. So it it utilizes the intellect and the brain in order to apply that to physical situations to make it work better, to make it more effective, to reach the goal that you're getting towards better. And so that being my Mars, that's like how I approach so many things. Like I'm constantly taking in new information. Also, I'm a Gemini, so I'm constantly taking in new information, but I'm collecting data and then I'm looking at like, okay, how do we make this better? How do we make it more effective? How do I make it more practical or like, what steps can I take away so that I can reach the goal more easily or more quickly based off of the experience that I have with it and the experience that I've gained by just doing this thing over and over again. So and like, that's my rising sign. That's your rising sign. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mars is in Virgo right now as we're recording this and it's actually transitioning into Libra tomorrow. Um, but a client of mine was talking to me about it earlier this week and he was telling me, he was like, Caitlin, I know you told me Mars is in Virgo and I'm really feeling it. I'm getting all these things done. I'm like doing five things at once. I'm listening to music in the background while I'm working and I never do that. I feel like I have 30 tabs open in my brain. I was like, yeah, welcome to my life. <laughs> It'd be like that. But we get things done well and quickly and effectively. And I feel like that's, that's like literally why I found myself managing a coffee shop when I was 20 years old, just because I came in and was like, okay, I see how the things are structurally working and how we can be effective and like make this work better. And somebody believed in you. And somebody believed in me. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 Thank you. And also, you know, they probably had the job opening. They're like, who could <laughs> Who's good They're like, this? who's going to want to do this? And I came in like fixing everything. They're like, mm, maybe her. her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And it's great when those things come together because, I mean, anybody that works for any company, they know. Any in, company. Any company. Anybody that has a job. <laughs> They're like, uh, just keeping things as they are. Yes. If they can, they will. Yes. When a change is going to happen, it's happening because it has to happen. And then there's so much resting on the person who gets the responsibility of making that decision. Absolutely. Now that person could just be like, not give a single fuck. Zero fucks given. And what happens when that happens? Usually a lot of fallout. It's not good. <sighs> Usually not. Yeah. yeah. Very rarely is it like a Lebowski phenomenon. We're like, oh, it's chill. And things are just going to be chill. 
Yeah. 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 It's nice when it does. Oh, I love a Lebowski phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah. And to have a, an opportunity and to have a type of character which is ready and worthy for the opportunity and then for someone to be like, put this woman in charge of a, in this leadership position. Have her run this. That's nice. That's so fucking nice. Yeah, thanks. It is nice. It's a nice way of looking at it and a nice perspective. I look back on that and I'm like, what were those people thinking? <laughs> Not <laughs> that I wasn't responsible. Shop, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They're like, it's just coffee. That's also just the saying when you work in coffee, because you get so people get so heated. They get so fed up about their coffee. Your day takes a turn because now you're taking it so seriously. And you just look at your fellow baristas and you say to them, it's just coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's yeah. so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. And it is just coffee, but you're also like usually the person that's standing in the way of somebody in their fix. So hmm. there's that part of it too, but it's just coffee. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, some people are like on a line with that shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're oh like, yeah. You fucked up. They're like, you fucked up my prescription, man. <laughs> That's how seriously they're taking their coffee, dude. Oh, you have no idea. I've had people tell me I would like this coffee with exactly 17 ice cubes. I will know if you put more or less than 17 ice cubes in it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sure you do. Was that in LA? That was in LA. That and sounds like the difference between LA and San Diego. You would be surprised by in La Jolla? San Diego. Yes, it was there La Jolla that I was working. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, you know. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah. 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 I also think about that person now and I go, that has to have been a Virgo because who else gives a fuck about 17 ice cubes in their coffee? Exactly. <laughs> no idea. And you never know if like those people are actually like trolling you or if they're like trolling themselves. They just hit like a brain switch that puts them in that type of zone. I remember talking to my coworkers about this specific order and someone knew exactly who I was talking about. And they were like, Oh, Caitlin, I hope you did exactly what they asked you to because it is not worth opening up that can of worms. And the coffee shop that I worked at in particular had like multiple different baristas that you could go to. So it wasn't just placing your order at like the cashier and then having someone make your coffee and being called. You were like talking to the person who's making your coffee and there are maybe five people who could have made your coffee that day. And so you would get the customers that are so specific and you or one of your coworkers somehow help them figure out exactly what they like. And now they will only take that and they'll only want the barista who first made it for them. And they won't tip any extra. No. For some fucking reason. Of, I cannot believe the tipping culture on coffee. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> come the fuck on, you people. In what way do you mean that? Uh, as a bartender. Okay. Nightclub bartender. Okay. So yeah. tip is what you're saying. As a nightclub bartender, there I get I have received money for things that were tasks that were just so simple. Yeah. And nightclub bartending is being exposed to some of the most frivolous spending mm -hmm. that you will see in any context of spending money, period. Yeah. So when I see that and then I see people stiff the barista. Why? <laughs> Fucking why? Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Why? Thank yeah. you. Especially if they're that particular. Yeah, thank you. It's like, hey, um Magic Mage, <laughs> will you please supply me that special potion that makes me feel so good every day? 
Exactly. Yeah. With if, just like a dash of this <laughs> and a little like touch of that. hundred percent. Yes. hundred percent. And yes. then don't think about how much you're tipping relative to the dollar. Think about how much you're spending on this experience and what you can afford for this experience over the course of your year. And the value that you're putting on receiving that being crafted by somebody else, right? That's something I think about too. Like when you're incredibly particular to know that you would prefer to have somebody else make your thing for you, whether it's coffee or food or whatever, you're putting something into someone's hands that you know you have a lot of feelings about and that you're maybe going to be irritable if it doesn't come out right. And so why would you not want to make that person as happy as possible when it's something that you value to the point of being worked up if it's not exactly how you want it? My love language isn't gift giving. <laughs> As I I chalk some of the population up to that. I'm like, okay, I get it. That's just not how you express gratitude. And different people have different measures of value. That's fair. For like those different situations. So totally. I try not I do the four agreements thing, like yeah. not taking it personal, man. Yeah. But also I'm like, please do it better. <laughs> You know, a hundred percent. Yes. Yes. So, uh, just because not everybody has that, um, level of ambition doesn't make me lose hope in the world. It's just when I meet people like you who do, it makes me feel a bit more optimistic. Mm, Right. I appreciate that. That seems, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Keep doing what you're doing. That's for sure. I will. I got, uh, some questions related to yoga, not to, structure more thought let's do it and also you being a ceo yeah starting an llc yeah and some of the obstacles some of the rocks that we tripped over along the way some of the things that we learned because i feel like i've done some of the same things and i'd love to know Mm. how'd it go for you wow i feel like it's a constant it's going you know (laughs) (laughs) i'm always learning i'm also somebody that like I have to learn by trying something and then being like, oh, okay, like that's not it. That's not working out the way that I wanted it to or it doesn't feel good to me to do that. And then I transition and get to pivot. And I don't think everybody learns that way. So that's a caveat that I'll add. But wow, I mean, I never thought that I would be a business owner. Like I did not think I would be an entrepreneur in my life. I look back on my life and I realize I like started a business when I was 12 with my sister. We like pet sat for all of the families in my neighborhood, but you know, I never was like very business minded. I've always cared so much more about just equanimity and like bringing people together that I have the numbers behind a business. So just even wrapping myself around the idea of like, okay, I I do get to be a CEO and a business owner and like do well in doing it, but also do it the ways that I want to and that feel good to me. And I don't need to do it any other way. Like not in ways that people say you need to, not in ways that it's been done before has been really relieving. And also my business is very different than a lot of other businesses, right? Like it's a small business, it's service-based. I work with people mostly one-on-one. I do some groups and events and things like that too. But the structure of that gets to look a lot different than, I don't know if I was like creating and selling a product or something. I'm sure that the feedback that I would have about the obstacles would be much more tangible and really different. For me, it's been so much in navigating like how my work wants to come through, being able to create space for that to happen organically. And this might sound weird, like I'm not the one doing it. And I do feel like in some ways I'm not really the one doing it. Like I feel like I'm just, for whatever reason, like the 
space that it gets to exist in and like the deliverer of, I don't know, the message in some way. That sounds really cheesy, but I don't know another way to say that. I have a similar feeling and I describe it when, as though I were an antenna. Yeah. And there's a source that's like speaking through me. I love that. That is exactly what it feels like. So for me, it's been a balance of like listening to that and allowing for that and giving that its space because I found that that is such a continued process of evolution and growth and like moves me in different directions. At this point in my work, it feels like so many of the roads that I went down that felt really meandering, like have come together more and I see how they're coming together more and like how that all fits within the work that I do with people. Um, but it's been a lot of, I mean, at first it was trial and error of being like, oh, I'm going to work with people around health and nutrition and just habit and lifestyle change. And that's it. And then I, I love that. I love physical health and that was so not enough for me. So then making the pivot to being more astrologically focused and still doing coaching, but not coming at it in the same way and being more support for people versus, um, the push for people, I guess. And so that's been a huge piece of it, but on a more like logistical business standpoint, oh my God. Um, I don't know. I had to like for real learn math. <laughs> <laughs> Like I have to keep track of things and make like spreadsheets. Zach fucking, <laughs> that was a sound bite if I ever heard one. I like the math associated with business because it's so much more practical. And I felt this also about statistics, which is like, it's just applied in a different format that makes a lot more sense to me than when I was learning, I don't know, geometry and algebra. Yeah. You know, uh -huh. um, so that's been a huge thing that's opened up for me, but really just an understanding how businesses are run, how I can be supporting people and providing them with what they're needing while also listening to the antenna and what's coming through and making sure that I am in integrity with myself with that has been everything. And I feel like it's all of the things come together to create the business aspect of it but it's been a very interesting journey. I feel like at this point I'm comfortable in being a business owner and saying that. And it took me like a solid year to be like, I was like, I am a business owner. <laughs> I run a business. Like I'm Caitlin I'm, and I own a business. <laughs> myself in the mirror, all of 2019. <laughs> I am Caitlin and I own a business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What was that like for you and how is it how has it been for you? Well, I've never been a small business anonymous, but <laughs> I'll invite you. Our meetings are fun. <laughs> we have jackets. One of my favorite lines from Shrek. <laughs> we got jackets. Yeah. Um <laughs> running a, a small business has for me a bit of the same path in that I have always cared about the service. Yeah more than like promoting it quickly or getting as big as possible. Totally. Putting as much care into the craft as I could and making this something of actually substantial value and worth. And honing your craft too, right? Yep. Yeah. There's like that. And then there's also, you scared to swim? Is that water cold? <laughs> you know, there's like that, yeah. that type of thing. And yeah. Based on your reading <laughs> and also based on my experience, uh, I'm a cozy boy. I'm a cozy boy. 
And uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm proud to be a San Diegan. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's chill here. It's chill. It's super tourist vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love it. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Me and too. so like the combination of those things means that it could go faster and I'm okay with it not. Yes. There's that. And then there's also all the things that you're looking to uphold as an individual. Like paying your goddamn rent. (laughs) (laughs) Having your health insurance. Right. Having transportation. Affording to not just eat to survive, but eat to commune. Yes. To travel. To give gifts to people that you love. All the above. Yes. And some more. Yes. So it's like putting that equation together is added to, I'm not a calculus person, but the calculus (laughs) of what I'm doing in the service. So for me, there's a, that's how it's been going. (laughs) That's how it's been going. And I've never started an LLC. I went as simple as possible. Nice. With a sole proprietorship. That's great. I went simple as possible with getting square payments. And I went simple as possible when it came to having that interface with my website. Doing all those things as a yoga teacher was really cool. And during the pandemic, uh, made some money and all that money I was so stoked to make. I cannot tell you how happy I am about making my own goddamn money. It feels so much Ooh, better when you know you're making it. Yeah, and when you're making dude. it doing something you care about. 100%. You're like, I could have worked a job that I hated and made this, whatever, $200 from teaching private yoga or whatever it is, but it's so much more rewarding because of how it comes to you. And so part of the quest is like finding where your talent, your desires, and your livelihood all me. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So developing that in my 20s was a, a big part of my major quest. And I'm glad that it's taken me where it's taken me because you boys hit the road a little bit and I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy to have touched a couple more than a few continents. Wow. Right? Yeah. yeah, it feels cool to say that. My brother said that. And I was all like, well, that sounds so cool. <laughs> You're like, fuck I'm going to start have. using that, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's, a, and there's more to go. Um, Always more to go. And I feel like that's so much of the journey with entrepreneurship too. And I think that this is something that you naturally have as being as hella Taurus as you are. And I'm grateful that my Taurus rising brings balance to the rest of my chart because I want to like do things quickly and move fast and like do the thing and have the people come the next day. And business doesn't work like that. And it's such a practice of adjusting and fine tuning and finding where that that can happen and like how you meet people, how you provide things from that to them that they care about and that provide value for them and all of it. But and the reality of those economics. Exactly. That was one thing I had to adjust was like, look, if I am providing a service, there's only so many people I can serve at once. Exactly. And you have to honor yourself, your energy, your education, the time that you've spent building and honing your practice, which is so key, you know, when people are meeting with you, they're not just paying for the time that they're spending with you. They're paying for that. They're also paying for everything else that's needed to run the business that is 
giving value to the time that you've put into honing your craft over 12 years of study and practice, you know? Yes. And also the price of real estate is just too damn high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hey, man. Yes. Working with the big numbers here, folks. Like we can keep proportionally going up if you want to, but those numbers are getting really big. Exactly. And I don't no know if all of us really are smart enough to, did you hear what she said about math? <laughs> <laughs> That's why it was funny. That's why it was funny. Because <laughs> we don't want to be doing math like that. No. At least I don't want to anyway. I don't know. No. Yeah, yeah that's just me. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> so it's like I could fight all of those things and then I could re-examine what is it that's in my control. And part of what's in my control is managing my expectations. Yes. Looking at what I'm actually putting into it, what is it I'm getting out of it, and having that be a better marker than what it is that I would like to see or what Absolutely. it is I'd like to have. Absolutely. There's that and also self-limiting beliefs. Mm. I want to hear you talk more about that. I feel like entrepreneurism has been the deepest work that I've done on myself. And I heard people say that before I started my business. And I kind of like eye rolled like I've done all this work. (laughs) And then I got into this area and was like, oh, okay, here's the rest of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, it. Because the numbers show up, man. They do. The numbers show up. They don't lie. They don't the numbers lie. are just numbers. Just like weight on a bar, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really close to that. And <laughs> I had this thought earlier. I want to say it really quick. The way that you talk about astrology is the way that a lot of guys talk about football. <laughs> like their fantasy football team, just like astrology. It's like... Yeah, there needs to be a skit where there's like a fucking overlap. I would really love to see that. I like already know so many people I would like to send that to. Tell me about your fantasy football team, bro. (laughs) (laughs) What's for real? Astrology or your team? Yeah, truly. Well, one of them has been around for thousands and thousands of years. So so put that in your bunk and smoke it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm glad that you held on to that and said it. <laughs> yeah, because well, you were saying, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Didn't want to be rude. I was like, put that away, put that away. Yeah. And then it was yeah. just. Your like, face is turning red because you want to get it. <laughs> no, so I was badly. actively listening. I was doing my best. I was like. You were not. I saw you over there. Really? You were not listening to me. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm no, fucking, you were. Yeah. And active listening. <laughs> Tell this to the boys. Active listening <laughs> is fun. Please tell it to the boys. It is. It's Let really engaging. Know. Yeah. It is engaging. And it's like the the having a tab open that's always concerned with a personal, not necessarily personal, but with like a problem that's being that's seeking to be fixed. Mm. Yeah, that's like an interesting not to go necessarily that direction because we're gonna go deeper into discovering ourselves as an entrepreneur. Semicolon, however, comma. Always having a tab open where there's a problem to be fixed is an interesting frame of reference to always be examining life. Yes. And I feel like part of that is what's getting in the way of active listening on behalf of a lot of the fellas. I don't know exactly what to do about that because it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a very useful tool, but having it always open, it's like learning how to downregulate that and learning how to like shut that off. Absolutely. I'd love to see more of that. I don't know how to change that. Do you? 
What a good question. I don't know that it even needs to be turned off. It's okay. just like, does that get to take up the most amount of space when you're with somebody or having a conversation with them? To me, I feel like it comes back to presence. It's like if you're actively engaging with a problem that you're trying to solve while you're having a conversation that's not a logistical problem-solving conversation, <laughs> then you're distracted. There's nothing wrong with that. We all get distracted, but it's like then you're not actually present for what's happening. I see this in a lot of people, men and women, but especially women, do this from the standpoint of like, I'm listening quote unquote, to what you're saying, but I'm actually just thinking about what I want to say in response to you. And that's what I'm thinking about the whole time you're talking is what I want to say about this and how I'm going to respond. And when we have that, even just that framework or like that expectation, right, then we're not actively listening and engaging in the conversation, allowing it to move and flow as it wants to. And in a way that's natural because there's a sense of control and whatever it is that you're trying to get out and share. And so often it comes from like, I think such a good place, like just wanting to connect or wanting to share. It brings up something that you relate to. And so that's what you want to share about the thing, but then you're not (laughs) being active. So I don't know that that's an answer, but it is an answer. It's a really great answer. Well, it's not really an answer of like how to fix it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was a thoughtful answer. (laughs) There's at least that minimum that. Well, thank you. Yeah. And the, um, people's individual brain chemistry yeah like if it's weird to look at a brain like that but if you were to like use superman or superwoman vision and look past the skull uh, you would see like a a a witch's cauldron (laughs) of just like brewing chemicals yes (laughs) (laughs) chemicals and electricity man (laughs) yeah yeah and absolutely just like synapses firing 100 percent. yeah And like, you know, and the synapses being electrified and then little fucking particles going from jumping these gaps. And it's like you could zoom in and look at that in a purely material lens and also consider the conversation of when this person gets stimulated, when the bones in their ear send this little signal to this witch's brew, it's not totally their fault. The, the potion Absolutely. that gets made inside mm. is like doing exactly what you said. I want to contribute meaningly, meaningfully to this and I'm so concerned about it that I'm thinking about this the whole time. Yeah. And if I have that one thing, I missed the other 70% of what you said. And you were like, you said that women do that a lot. I feel like for women, that's the thing that comes in between them and active listening more than uh, it is the problem solving. Like I, I think see. that the problem solving piece is more of a, of a man thing, but <laughs> it also depends. It's also just yeah. like how you guys are socialized, you know, it's like how often has there been a woman that like just wants to vent about something to her boyfriend or someone she's dating. And they're like, well, have you done this? And have you tried this thing? And then she gets annoyed and I don't know, maybe they like fight or they just like have a bit of tension because that wasn't the point of what she wanted to share. She just wanted to have. This was not a logistical problem solving (laughs) conversation. Exactly. And maybe, maybe too, it's just communication and being like, I don't need a problem to be solved. I just need to like talk about this for a minute. Yeah. Because I see that the problem solving also usually comes from a place of just like wanting to help and feeling like that's the only way you can do something. Oh man. Yeah. That. Struck a lot of people right at home. Like, By a lot of people, do you mean people you? people value me. <laughs> I hope 
Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the way that we're socialized. Yeah. Uh, in terms of boys? Yes. Okay, how are boys socialized? What a big question. Big question, right? I mean... I haven't thought about this question at all. Oh, my God. So that's an honest question. Wow. I have no idea. Okay, yeah. well, let me, like, put my sociology Let's hat conjecture. back on. Yeah. yeah. Two people have no idea what we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> hey, um, I have a degree in sociology. I kind of yeah. know what I'm talking about. And I have a degree in this. psychology, so... Okay, so you yeah. also know. Yeah. Basically, the way that men are socialized, like... I mean, it, it's going to differ by micro climate and culture, right? Mm -hmm. But in the U.S. specifically, like the way that men are socialized are usually to be productive, to be successful, to be ambitious, to not um, care too much about anything, especially not about their own feelings. Like you shouldn't even be fully aware of that or allowing them to like, quote unquote, control you. That's the social socialization. It's like... It Ooh. just needs to be pushed away, you yeah. know, versus like the way women are socialized is so different. If you just think about how parents respond to like, say you're at a park and there's a boy that's like running around, he trips and falls and he has a moment of like feeling really hurt or he hurt himself. Right. Maybe he starts to cry, maybe not, but usually the parent will run over and will say, you're okay. There's no reason to cry. You're totally okay. And then they like send him back out and he goes and does his thing. If the same thing happens to a girl when she's young and she falls and she hurts herself and she has a moment of like sharing that hurt, whether she's crying or just saying something about it, what do people usually do for girls? They like stop and they maybe like take her hand and they like kiss her wherever she got hurt. And they say, it's going to be okay. Like, it's okay to cry. Like, I know it hurts. It's going to be okay. And just even in those small nuances, like we're teaching kids so much about how to navigate themselves and their internal life and like what they should or shouldn't feel, right? Like in the case of women, it's giving more space to feel however you're feeling. It's like, yeah, it hurt. You're going to feel better, but it hurt. That's reality. And for most men, it's like, get over it. You know, it's, it shouldn't matter that much or you're fine. Get back out there. And so we're teaching people when they're children, we're conditioning them. It's a, and that, Examining like the intuitive response of a parent yeah. is such an interesting lens to examine because it's like these are quick responses that are exactly very commonly seen. Exactly. And they're yeah. innocuous in the way that they're being responded to, right? Like it's not I, like the parent is Innocuous is a like, little bit out of my league actually. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Full disclosure. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, I just mean like parents don't do that meaning any kind of thing, you okay. know? Like they're not trying to make their boys feel like it's not okay for them to express their emotion oh, yeah. or to have it. And they're also not trying to make girls feel like, I don't know, they're weak or they need more attention for it. Or like that there is more space that needs to be given there. Like it's a, I don't know exactly the right word. It's almost a naive reaction. Like it is just a knee jerk reaction of this is how I feel like I need Instincts. to show up for this child in the moment. Yeah, yes. Like but this. that parent was also, conditioned and socialized within the society. So how the instincts get passed that. on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's harmless on the surface, but like when we look at what's happening, it's like, what is that actually teaching? So I feel like boys are so much more socialized to be problem solvers and to fix things and to 
want to solve an issue and that that's like the main mode of what you can do when you see something that's a problem. Whereas women are so much more socialized to empathize and to be compassionate towards people and to do something to support people on a more emotional or like mental basis versus the physical problem solving tangible. Here's a fun sift. Yeah. Sympathy, empathy, compassion. Yeah, that is a fun one. Sift those three. Okay. Let's sift those three. Let's sift those three. Um, then we'll talk about entrepreneurship. <laughs> whatever, we'll get there. <laughs> you're like, yo, bro, you're fucking... It's like, it's so interesting, though. It is so interesting. Okay, bro. so I think that sympathy is when you see someone feeling something and you go, oh, I get that. It's not pity, but it's like pity adjacent. You know, it's like, oh, that hurts. I see that. Empathy is when you see somebody who's moving through something and you go, oh, I know exactly how that hurts and what you're feeling. Like, I get it. I've either been there. And even if I haven't specifically been where you are, I can feel what you're feeling in that with you. And there's a greater, um, I don't know, personal level of involvement and understanding with empathy, I feel. Compassion is an interesting one. And I actually really, I love that you asked this question because this was something that I don't even remember what class it was, but one of my classes in college, we talked a lot about the difference of empathy and compassion because empathy is that just like, I'll be in it with you. Like I feel it fully with you and I see you in that. And it feels really good to be seen in that, but it lacks the action behind how we shift out of whatever it is that we're in that's creating that response, right? So compassion is like, the empathy being put into action. It's like, I see you, I feel you, and what now? Like, how do I support you? How do you move through that? How do you disengage from the thing that's causing pain or suffering or just learn to engage with it differently? So compassion has action. That's my thought. What gotcha. are your thoughts around that? I love everything that you just said. That's what. That's my thought. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Yeah, like very like on, on point, on point. Um, I did have a thought of one, what's the bad thing about pity? Because mm. that's why it's pity adjacent. Yeah. 100%. That's yeah. exactly why it's pity adjacent. It is, right? Yeah. Because it's like sympathy is different than empathy and yes. that it's not something that you've gone through before. Or even if you like, feel like you can empathize without having gone through something. Okay, go on. But you just have a different or deeper level of understanding of where a person is. Okay. Not always. And that's going to be different for everybody, I think. Yeah. But you don't have to go through exactly the same thing to be able to empathize with what someone's going through. Okay. But sympathy is like, I don't know. I just feel like it's somebody who's like, I have no idea what to do with all of these feelings that you're feeling and all the things that are happening. It's the person who like, when you're like, these are the things that are going on in my life. They're like, oh, that sucks, man. <laughs> and you're like, okay, <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> That's so helpful. Yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, what was your question about pity? I lost it. I'm sorry. About pity is actually, no, you're right there. Actually. It's like, that's the bummer part. And that if somebody says something like that, you know, like that sucks, man. And that's the, that's the most of what you feel about this situation. Is that sympathy? I think so. If not, it's close. And that might be the difference between pity and sympathy. Mm, it might be. It might be. Because there's something, it feels like a little bit more 
tender, mm. if I, mm-hmm. I could use that word, yes. a bit more tender about sympathy than than pity in that aspect. I totally agree. And okay. I feel like pity has a level of, like there's a connotation to it that is pedestalizing yourself over somebody. Mm. I don't know I see. how true that is. It's because you it's say it with like, a British voice in your head. <laughs> <laughs> what a pity. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes. Where you're like, oh man, that blows. Like so glad it's not me. You know, there's leveling. Mm. Pity. Yeah. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, pity versus sympathy. I, like, I like how we sifted that one out. Me too. I also like the way that you sifted mm-hmm. out sympathy and empathy. Mm. And sympathy and empathy being different in that um, you used three phrases in a row to describe empathy. Do you remember what they were? No. Damn, because it was so concise. Just play it back and listen to her say it again. Yeah. It was something like, um, I feel this with you. I see you. I'm here with you. Mm. Something like that. Some, it was, yeah, it was around that. In that ballpark. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And having that being a difference between sympathy and that, um, I thought maybe that there would be a prerequisite of like, I know how you feel because I've been here before. And the the shyness of being like, uh, I know how you feel. And then someone being like, do you? Fucking do you? <laughs> and following that, it's like, I can project my inner psyche experience to attempt to feel and it feels compelled to feel this level of sorrow or anguish or pain yeah and if that's not empathy and that's sympathy so be it (laughs) fuck it so be it dude i'm fine with it and compassion being the thing that is empathy plus action putting that together the example that you were giving between the boy falls girl falls I know as a boy, whenever I fall, my reflexive reaction is get up as quick as I can. <laughs> totally. Like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Brush I'm yourself fine. off. I'm fine. Keep moving. I'm fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I will spend a few moments lying to myself <laughs> if need be. Exactly. That everything is fine. Yes. Everything's fine. And I just put a barrier up instead of feeling what it is that I'm actually feeling. Right. And that contrast that you made with the girl, and I didn't have any sisters growing up. So I actually never really saw that example. Yeah. So it's actually quite foreign to me. Mm. And when you said what you said, I was like, I could imagine that. I've seen that on TV before. I've seen that in stories where girl gets hurt a little bit. It's like, oh, honey, what happened? And you take a little, you take yes. a little bit of time to a little TLC. Yeah. Yeah. A little TLC. Don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> Everything's going to be all right. Sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, now, has that been an asset or an obstacle with being ambitious, pursuing what you've been doing, maybe in the lane of business, but also since we dropped Maslow earlier, your own self-actualization? Mm, has what been like my socialization and conditioning that particular, as a woman? Oh shit! I mean, I uh, <laughs> <laughs> kinda. Yeah, that was bigger. The part though around like the essence of what I was asking though, yeah, actually. 
Okay. Do you feel like your socialization as a woman has been of more help to you or more of an obstacle to you? Mm. Both, but mostly a really big help to me. Yay! Yeah. Yeah. You hear that? (laughs) (laughs) Feminism's getting some W's. (laughs) W's for women. It's happening. (laughs) Turning this franchise around. Over 500. Doing better than the Padres. (laughs) (laughs) This franchise. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What a good question. I do feel like there are certain ways that it presented the challenge. Like I think that my resistance to owning and understanding myself as a business owner and being comfortable with that was largely because I'm a woman and was not socialized to feel. And this is also, it's so like subtle, right? Like I didn't consciously think, Oh, I can't be a business owner because I'm a woman ever. But and nobody ever told you that. No, nobody ever told me that. Hell yeah, it's working. <laughs> it's working. Yeah, but I also see how some of it's representation, right? Mm. Like you don't have the examples of seeing somebody like you in certain positions, and so it's just kind of out of your frame of reference. But I also see how there were ways that I was conditioned that made me back away from the world of business in general and not want to be involved. And was that led me to a lot of math is icky. It. <laughs> math is okay, icky. Part of it was ew. the math. Part of it was ill. Part of it's the math. Ew, David. <laughs> oh my God, get out of here. Part of it's the math for sure. But a lot of it too is just like, I don't know, being able to control a room and take leadership of a room and have people actually respect you and listen to you. As a manager of a coffee shop. (laughs) Hell yeah. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like I've been reluctantly put in a lot of leadership roles in my life. And it's just been in the last few years that I've been like, yeah, put me in coach. Like, (laughs) I know I'm good for the job, you know, put me in. But for so long, I didn't feel that way. And I definitely had the experience of being in a leadership position a lot of this was also me not fully owning that, right? And like not fully being confident in the position that I was in, not lording that over people, but just knowing like, okay, I make the call here and I have the knowledge and the wherewithal and like the adaptability to be able to make decisions in this situation that it's not that other people can't make the decisions, but like I've been put in this position for a reason, but I can't tell you how much men do not like that hmm. in women. And even from a young age, you know, like it's something that's just so subtle and we don't always realize that we're doing it, especially like, I don't know. I think about like leadership positions that I was in when I was in college and being like in your late teen, early twenties and lording your power over people. (laughs) (laughs) Never. That was also something that made me feel like I didn't want to be in business Mm. and that I couldn't be an entrepreneur because I didn't want to be in a position of being in any way the Lord. like superior to people. Yeah. The Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've never said it in that context before. <laughs> so it's just a lot of fun. <laughs> but I feel what you I'm mean. I'm honored to be the recipient. <laughs> I feel what you mean. Yeah. Uh, and also, what planetary alignment was required for this phenomenon to take off for you? Wow. Okay, there was an eclipse that we had in Leo. It was in Leo season. The eclipse was in Aquarius of, this was August of 2018. 
and my life completely changed, like literally fully changed. It was also when I moved to San Diego. So a lot was changing for me already, but that was like the biggest pivotal point in time where I could literally put a finger on and be like, this thing happened. And the way I felt about myself, the way that I saw myself, the confidence that I had, the understanding that I had of myself and my capabilities and being able to own that felt so different. Pass through a portal during an eclipse. Yeah. Ah. Well, you are so spot on. We call eclipses. So every eclipse, there's a set of two and they're two weeks apart and we call them eclipse portals because shit happens during an eclipse portal. Like things move quickly. Things come in, and out, in a, into your life, come out of your life really quickly. Um, or just in ways that are super unexpected. And it can be that like fixtures that you feel are really steady in your life, like you learn are not steady in your life at all. And that gets shaken up. Um, nothing is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's the secret is like, nothing <laughs> is. Um, but it definitely is like that portal period of time where so much is happening and moving. And the ancients thought that it was like a really unlucky period of time because if you think about what it would have been like to like watch an eclipse, if you didn't have any understanding of what's happening on a cosmological level, like you have the sun there and the sun is a thing that feeds everything in their, in life, right? Like it's the thing that makes your crops grow because you're getting enough of it. It's like what gives you livelihood. It's what has to happen for you to have safety over your area. Otherwise humans were just like at nighttime, much more confined because of the safety aspect of it. Right. Like that's not when you're going to like go and adventure back in like, I don't know, 6,000 BC. Well, oh, maybe no. for some people. I was going to say in 6,000 BC. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> now imagine like an eclipse happens and then all of a sudden the moon comes between the earth and the sun. And you don't know that that's exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. You don't know that it's something that happens every so often. Right. You're just like, wow, the thing that has provided us life, is all of a sudden being blocked and is not making contact with the earth for this period of time. So it was known to be in like very ancient astrology, something that was, it's called like malefic, like it has negative like intent or like meaning behind it. And it's also kind of like what's, I don't know. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but then it's like ascribed to whatever shit comes up during an eclipse. It's like, well, it's because of the eclipse. But it's so interesting if you do pay attention to the eclipse periods of time in your life. Like we just had a lot of eclipses in Taurus and Scorpio over the last year and a half. So I'm curious what shifted for you in that as somebody with so much Taurus. <laughs> this feels like a weather report. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the eclipses that we had in that were yeah. this previous March, the past November, and then the, the April, May before that. Well, I mean, you know, April, May is my birthday. So, <laughs> yes. Gang, gang. Yeah. Uh, during the most recent April, May, I turned 30. Wow. Also congrats. gang, gang. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm pretty hyped about it. Do uh, people under 30 say gang, gang? Uh, I, you know, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> <laughs> Does not matter to me at all. Yeah. Nor it's, should it. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my favorite moments also. <laughs> like you'll go through a yoga session and there's a moment afterwards where there's a palpable um, in the room mm -hmm. and to break that moment with gang gang. <laughs> Dude, 
<laughs> it'll just pop up in my head. I'm like, gang, gang, and people just like, they'll come back to life. Do you actually say it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what up, gang? Best. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got, I got different lanes. Um, I do my best to, to show up for my students uh, every day. Yes. We were talking about that, I think, before we got on, on how, how much of an asset it is. <laughs> if you're in a training, to have somebody that's showing up for you and on days where it's hard for them to show up, still showing up. Yes. And also being empathetic, <laughs> compassionate, sympathetic perhaps, <laughs> towards the sentiment that everybody's going to have off days. So, Absolutely. All those disclaimers. <laughs> aside, <laughs> uh, I got different lanes and I try to meet the students where they're at. There's that. And then there's also this feeling of being an antenna that the source is speaking through. And... For me, I got this meditative, chill, introspective, uh, let's go on a journey, mm. feeling mm. in the experience of asana. And what's nice about leading the trainings is that it's not just, all right, this common day, I don't know who's going to show up. It's like we got a trajectory over minimum 12 weeks. Right. And every cohort's going to be different. So there's a period where I kind of get to know them and yoga's got so much to it that that's going to determine a little bit of where we go. Totally. So that's so cool. Sorry to interrupt you, but that's so cool to be able to like meet your students where they are and then give the curriculum to them. That's going to be most useful. And that matches them. Cause I'm sure too, like every batch that you have is very different from one another, but also that there's a lot of similarities within that group of people. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so using the Socratic method, <laughs> we get to learn about what about this group is unique to them, what their ultimate aims are, and what sort of factions of this discipline are actually applicable to their life. Mm. And I love that. And I love that. There's I also, love that. <laughs> <laughs> we love that. <laughs> yeah. And... So showing up for these students and meeting them where they're at comes with this uh, alchemy of also the antenna and also uh, this other part of me, yes. that jester part of me. And it's so nice to be in a space <laughs> that's just cool with it. I love that. <laughs> Me too. Yes. Me too. I mean, just like such a gift to be able to feel like it can tune into these different aspects of yourself and allow them to come together in this way that is like so fulfilling and exciting for you, but is also supporting other people and like fulfilling something in them too. But I also feel like that gesture aspect of yourself is so needed in the world of yoga. Like we take things so seriously. <laughs> yeah. And I tell this to my students all the time too. I'm like, don't let your practice be rigid. Like- have fun with it. I'll make jokes with them. I'm not like super jokey yet because I haven't been teaching as long. I don't feel as comfortable with it's it. Okay. But like, it's just so needed and welcomed in that area in particular, I feel like, where we can be really heady or really just structured based off of what we so think serious. the practice needs to look like. Yes. Earnest. Yes. So yeah. serious. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. We're not like doing Vipassana meditation, just like sitting for seven days straight. Like yeah. chill out a little bit. Yeah. Live have, your life. Have some playfulness to it. Yes. So one of the reasons why I like going through the chakras and that chorus is because each of those levels has a different energy to it. It's got a different element to it. And we can explore what these differences are. Yes. In the 500 hour training, I get to get really 
interdisciplinary with it. Oh, that's And visit really cool. different methods and develop that and then see what sort of methods stick with the students based on how they teach. Wow. And then there's the 200 sections where I can't go that broad. Yeah. I'll try going that broad and just like not enough sticks. Yeah. So to go narrow with Hatha in particular, um, I did Vinyasa and Restorative. Mm-hmm. Doing those two together in a training is great because if you do too much flow, too athletic for a lot of these folks. You know, there's a lot of people that are getting into this to heal. Absolutely. So to provide like that dichotomy is really cool. Yeah. Um, and pulling out of the weeds a little bit here. <laughs> I'm in it. I'm in the weeds. <laughs> the time that you spent in your yoga teacher training, you said before we came on, was um, didn't give you everything you're hoping that yeah. you wanted to get. Please expand. It definitely left some to be desired. Some of this is also me recognizing like what you just said, like there's not the time and space in a 200 hour to go super deep into a lot of things. And I'm really motivated and curious and I love learning. And so I felt like I came into my training already having learned a lot of the things that I then was just kind of like taught again outside of the actual physical here's how you cue, here's exactly what this asana should look like and feel like and how to meet people there and support them in getting there and learning modifications and all the things. Like that's what I feel like I've really gained out of my training was the actual, here is how you teach yoga versus like the yogic philosophy and deepening into what that looks like. And I wanted all of it and I definitely needed like the tangible, practical ways of teaching to be focused on especially coming in with the awareness that I did, but I really wanted to deepen into the other pieces of it. And so this is, I don't know where I'm like, well, I just get to like do more trainings and like do my 500 (laughs) hour and get deeper into all the things. And manage our expectations of how much we can actually learn in 200 hours. Very much so because it sounds like that's a lot of time and it's not a short amount of time, but it's not a lot of time either. And I had 50 hours of that taken up by just in class practice too. So it's really only 150 hours of actual education and training. Um, How many hours are in a semester at college? I have no idea. 180. (laughs) Really? And I know this Per class or just- Yes. Okay. Uh, Actually, it's uh, for the units. Okay. Yeah. So for a three unit course. Okay. 180 hours. And they have like this calculation that's based off of some Carnegie method. Sure. That's got something to do with fucking rich people and shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like how it equates to um, time spent in the classroom and what sure. that equivalates to getting electives, which is then get added up towards getting your diploma of some sort. And so to have a, a very tight structure, a Virgo like structure, <laughs> dare I say, of. <laughs> You may. Of, <laughs> of uh, at least the repeatability and the reliability. Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. having this type of method and some consistency in it. I tip my cap too. I'm glad that they came around to something which approximates. This is what I learned in, say, abnormal psychology, but I didn't learn psychology. Right. This is what I learned in statistics of psychology. This isn't all psychology. Exactly. Statistics is even all part of lab. No, no. <laughs> in lab, it's way different than theory and psychology. So it's like to be able to parse that out in yoga hasn't been something that's been done yet. I feel like it's on the way. And with yoga, there's so much flexibility 
with like, oh, it's fine if you do this or you do that. It would be nice though to come up with like a common agreement on terms. Yes. Yes. Some kind of standardization would be really helpful in that. Like in this training, this is going to be an asana training. Exactly. You want to call it a yoga training? Cool. Have that be known that this is going to be asana in queuing. I would absolutely love for that to exist. Love it's, it. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool though, knowing that about how they structured that around the, about the same amount of hours that you would spend taking a class for a semester. Yeah. That is what it feels like is that you're just like in this class and you're breathing yoga every single day. Um, but that's a really helpful framework for being like, yeah, of course it's not going to cover all the things that it's needed to cover if you want like a, a comprehensive yoga, understanding. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What's that been like for you in your journey, not just teaching, but teaching trainings? I feel called to help with this structure and the people that are above me are just not that down. <laughs> oh, no. And part of this is because like, I don't know if I'm taking yoga too seriously. <laughs> like, You know, coming back to that, it's like, are you... And part of me is, I just want it to be helpful. Yes. I want it to be helpful, I want it to be useful. And part of that means the people that are coming into this know what it is that they're signing up for. Because one of the hardest things I got to do at the start of every semester is figure out why y'all signed up. <laughs> what is it that you're looking to get out of this? Yes. And some people will start training with literally zero years experience. I, that's like inspiring and confusing to me. It is inspiring and confusing. And... I, I don't knock it because no. the reason why all of them do that is because there was somebody who did a 200 hour training that said this gave me the fundamentals on how to go about this practice and what an approach besides floundering at your local gym's yoga class. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> getting an impression yeah. of what this lowercase y yoga is. Yeah. 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 And so like helping these people who are new distinguish between what I'll call lowercase y yoga and uppercase y yoga. Would is, you like to share that distinguishment? Part of it is not entirely up to me. <laughs> and that's part of the reason why I take a Socratic approach too. Because <laughs> I'm not a god. I'm not a guru. I'm a dude from San Diego. All right. <laughs> but here's what I've observed so far that one of the differences between lowercase y yoga and uppercase y yoga is the integration of the eight limbs of yoga mm. at like as an initial prerequisite that having like an understanding line. yeah yeah the lowest bar to yeah. even know <laughs> that this bar. is here yeah what they are yeah and how to sift them out most people that think of yoga they think of asana completely and that's totally cool how did i get into yoga for that reason exactly there was something in my body that was suffering I got pointed in this direction. Oh, wow, there's a lot more. It was really cool. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. You're from Fresno. I was going to high school in Marietta. I don't have a Marietta Yes shirt. I don't have an airport. <laughs> I don't have an airport in my town. Oh. So the odds of me finding yoga <laughs> in this place was slim to none. Yeah. I'm really thankful to the Indian culture. I'm really thankful for the people that preserve texts. I'm really thankful for all the introspection that went in beforehand. I'm even thankful for the stuff that's a little far out. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Because there's some stuff in there that's weird. Oh, it's so wild. And I don't know if some of it's imagery. I don't know if some of it's, you know, uh, plant medicine induced. <laughs> you know? I don't know how much of it comes from the results of 
not having food or water for a prolonged amount of time. (laughs) And all the above. Yes. But it's also just the mythology in that that's created too, right? Like there's so much, I don't know. I feel like curiosity and excitement Mm -hmm. around who knows if these people were crazy, if they were on some kind of plant medicine, what was going on there, but just the depth that's accessible. Mm -hmm. And that is, um, recorded and has been known for such a long time. Yes. You know how long it would have taken me to be all like, you know what? All this ruckus that's going on in my mind. What if I just sit still? Uh, no, you never would have done that. <laughs> I would have no, never fucking done. No, I never would have, would have done tried that everything. I would have tried drinking this. Would have tried eating that. Would exactly. have tried all exactly. kinds of fucking active shit. But if someone like, was like, "Here, do this chaturanga multiple times a day, so many days in a row, and you're gonna feel a lot better, and your body's gonna feel better," I'd be like, "Fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now I go, you know. At, music festivals or concerts you're like you stretching i'm like oh, i kind of but yeah oh, also yeah. this vibration in the air is kind of making my body make this, <laughs> make this my shape. body's just doing this <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing you're like in just half listening moon. to yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> something like that <laughs> yeah yeah, oh, so yeah when yoga goes off the mat like yes. what I, I tell people like that is everybody that comes into this training is going to find a lane that applies to them some of the stuff we're going to talk about is going to go in your weird box. Plenty of stuff I'm going to talk about is going to go in the weird box for me. There's even going to be stuff that we're going to read that's going to come from people that I and others in the academic community would highly acclaim. And from personal experience, I'm going to say this is out of my league. I don't know anything about this. Remind me some things which are a little bit tricky about this. Like, for example, today, the word Ishvara Pranidhana, the last of the Yamas. A big one, right? Covers a lot of ground. One of the things that came across in this book by Deskachar, who's the son of Krishnamacharya, and if you know anything about yoga, big deal. Might know a thing or two. I also just want to add that you're reciting all the Sanskrit and all the names just like by memory. Like you're just, you just know it. (laughs) Some of the stuff. I just wanted to plug. Two thumbs up. (laughs) So you got uh, this author that you can trust not just because of his family lineage but because he's been a part of this thing his whole life yes and his family has been really close to this culture and had enough of a grounding in it that the royalty in india had this individual teach their court lot to lose if you're that person by the way so there's this source talking about a really big concept of what in some translations could be called Surrender to your highest power. Uh, Lay your actions at the feet of the cosmos. Um, In a very pragmatic sense, control what you can control, let the rest of it go. In a very spiritual sense, um, worship your divinity. Have a yeah, worship Mm -hmm. your divinity. Mm -hmm. You could put that up on the board, and some people are going to be like, "I'm Team A, I'm Team B, I'm Team C, I'm Team D." Totally. Is all this, and also the author in this book who I mentioned, pretty big deal talking about this entity which is not a being has no material is one who sees and also referring to this thing the whole time as he yeah it's interesting interesting <laughs> interesting <laughs> oh, is that right yeah. is that fucking right bro <laughs> and i had that observation and i thought that to myself because I've had knee-jerk reactions. 
when I've heard authors refer to this type of source as she. Mm. <laughs> and I do that because I'm like, <laughs> just a knee-jerk thing. And I'm you're sure like, it's wait like, wait a minute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wait a minute. And having this happen today, I had the same knee-jerk reaction, but having it happen within my own camp felt kind of nice. Mm. I was like, okay, this isn't just um, a boys versus girls pep rally. This is me having a reaction to the sentiment that we're giving uh, a masculine or feminine pronoun to something which, in this case, doesn't even have a form. Right. Right. So real, a little prideful. A little prideful, <laughs> I'd say, <laughs> to be referring to this thing that the author it would say, I, they don't have the English word for it, and a lot of people are shy about using the word God. Yeah. But like, but that's what it's connected for example, to. talk, use God or cosmos. You want to say it's a man or a woman. Good luck. Right. <laughs> Good right. fucking luck. Right. So you got thoughts on that? I have a lot of thoughts on that. All I right, just cool. feel like it's interesting. Like, why are we trying to attribute gender to something that we're also, like you said, like that's literally formless and that we're defining and describing in that way. And then we're like, oh, but there's gender. What? Why? Why do we feel the need to do that? I think that there's something that makes it feel more like we can connect to whatever that energy of whatever word you want to use, God, source, the universe, cosmos, like to make it feel more personal or tangible to us. We want to like personify it and give it the description of like, masculine or feminine or male or female, because that makes it more relatable to us. Right. But it's just so interesting that there's that dichotomy and like the recognition, the recognition of like, this is formless. This is something that is just there in terms of the creation of the universe and of everything that exists. But like, Oh, it's a he, it's a he, it's guess, a he by the way. Right. <laughs> Father. Yes. Call yes. it daddy. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Call it daddy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, in, in some of those cases, like, I don't keep a scoreboard, but it's like, if you're going to have that, I'm like, all right. So we'll say, in this case, Father Ishvara Pranidhana and Mother Nature. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. go on. We can have a little bit of both. I'm sure. Absolutely in the economy of language as you were describing, having it be personified and having it be a feeling that this is a, this is something I can relate to and this is how I relate to it. So I can, I'll, I'll soften my stance a little bit on that desk guitar. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll give you that. Maybe that's just how you're like relating to it. But so I was sharing all this with like the class. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I like giving those examples during the training because I hope, that there are things which come up which might even be contentious for you. Absolutely. And I would love for you as a student to bring those things up and we can explore those avenues. Mm. And I feel like in a nuts and bolts, basic asana two and hour training, what you don't have to go that far into it. I no. would like to. I would like to to at least crack that door open a little bit. And I do that by always going through <clears throat> with new students, the eight limbs of yoga. One of the reasons why I love doing it too is because you can go through it more than once. Yes. 100%. Oh my God. You know the five niyamas? 
I can't tell you them offhand. <laughs> Fucking right. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I saw them on a test, I bet you I could circle the right answer. I, well, exactly. That's where I'm at. But you're so right. Yeah. And it's been for me personally, like reading back over a lot of my curriculum that I went through during YTT, but also just reading and diving more into studies on the Yamas and Niyamas. It's been so interesting to see my take and perspective on how that's shifted now versus when I was first learning about them, when I first got back into yoga and was more active with it. And then when I was in YTT and all of it, you know, like I feel like there's something that's so profound about them, which is just how, and I feel like we can take this in so many different, from so many different places, but specifically the namas and niyamas feel like there's something that when you grow through life and just have different experiences, you come back to them with a different perspective and understanding of what they're sharing and what they're saying, how it applies, how yeah. you can utilize it, how it applies to the practice. Yeah. It's a good book that you read when you were young and then you read it again later and you're like, whoa. Yes. And you're like, oh my yeah. God, I didn't get any of that. <laughs> yeah. I remember reading this. I did not get yeah. any of that. Honestly, yet. like this is how you felt. I watched SpongeBob recently. Like I watched a handful of episodes yeah. and I was like, oh my God, the humor in this shit is dark and it's dirty. And I got <laughs> none of it when I was a kid. And I still thought it was fucking hilarious. And I think it's even mm. funnier now. Like oh, the yeah. writing is just good. Hell yeah. Yeah. Let's so. go SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got longevity, pal. That's going in the hall of fame. Of right next to the Yamas and Niyamas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got uh, different things going on in your life. Yeah. And being an astrologer, being a yoga teacher still. Yeah. Gotcha. And um, one more thing going on with that. Do you actively... Uh, host Reiki sessions too? Yeah, I do. Gotcha. And you do all this through like a storefront? Um, I do it privately mostly. And then I also work with a company in San Diego called Reiki of San Diego. And so I, there's like five or six of us that share a couple of treatment rooms. So I also see certain clients through them. Um, but I mostly see people just privately through my own business. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So I do have like a space where I take them to. And then I also have a room in my house that I recently transitioned to being like a little treatment room too. Ooh. So I take, I take like my favorite clients there. Nice. And by favorites, I just mean like the ones that I trust to have in my home. I roger that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause you're scaling, you know, it's like. Exactly. Like you. it can't be everybody that's in wow. my house, but it is so nice to host sessions there and to have it be in my personal space and to for myself to like not need to go anywhere else and to just be in my home. But there also has just been something that feels so sacred about like creating that space in my home and bringing people into it and being really intentional with the energy that's in my space, with what I'm bringing into my space, with all of it. Gotcha. Yeah. And the project playlist that you have on MySpace. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I didn't realize how much I said MySpace. It's okay. <laughs> no, it wasn't like don't mind me. Um, I'm if not. People, <laughs> if uh, people wanted to find you, yes. how would they do it? Mm, they would find me through either Instagram or through my website. Handles? Well, Google search. My handle on Instagram is at breathing in spirit. And then my website is my name. So it's Caitlin Rose Gehring, C-A-I-T-L-I-N-R-O-S-E-G-O-E-H-R-I-N-G.com. Cool. Yeah. You can improve that, I think. 
<laughs> people are like I don't, i'm not gonna remember how to do that but i'll just look at the show notes a hundred percent that's I'll exactly that, what you should do i'll yeah. drop that in yeah uh, don't try to write in that description yeah Good. just click Thank the you. link and you'll be able to get there for sure yeah um thanks so much for doing this can we do yeah, this again? Absolutely. Thank you for having Hell me. This yeah. is so much fun. <laughs> Thanks for talking yoga and fucking sociology and SpongeBob and all the random <laughs> Anytime, places that dude. we got to. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. Bye.